Be turning over to Acts 8. We're going to go to the end of Acts 8. We're going to stay with this wonderful theme of Jesus saves, Jesus saves. This is your invitation. You like getting an invitation to something. I know my girls, when we're in school, it seems like every other day we get an invitation to a birthday party. And uh, man, there's birthday parties and birthday parties and we like getting invited to things, getting invited to nice events. And guys, what God is doing is inviting you to come. Come join this invitation. Come join, come find peace like you've never had it before. And I just want to encourage you, if you've never given your heart to Jesus, let me tell you this, you're not, you, you're, you can't be too bad, you can't be too old, you can't be anything but just come. It's all about his grace anyway. And he knows, he knows your heart, he knows where you've been, he knows what you've done, and you know what? He's already died for that. You know what? He wants to save you. He wants to do that anyway. And so I pray if there's anyone in this room this morning that does not know Jesus as Savior, that you will accept that invitation and respond at the end of this service. And, uh, hey, the water's still in there. We'll just go right over and baptize you right now, all right? And uh, that's what it's all about. Acts 8, Acts 8, and we're going to skip on down. We talked a little bit the other night and Sunday night about Philip and Samaria, and we talked, we're going to finish a little bit more about Simon this, tonight, the sorcerer. But I wanted to, to move on down because I, I thought it fits so well with what has been going on in our church in the last several weeks. People coming to know Jesus, people coming here uh, and just showing up and asking to be saved. And guys, that's, that's when you know it's sweet right there, when they're just coming and seeking and, and finding uh, and pursuing after that. Danny had a great thought this morning. He was listening to uh, Adrian Rogers this week. And Adrian Rogers, we've been talking about persecution. And here through the first part of Acts, persecution is everywhere. The, the Christian is being persecuted. And the word persecution comes from the word pursue. They're pursuing after these people. They're pursuing after them because uh, they see something there that's different. See something there that doesn't fit with what the norm is. And they want to know what it is. Now, some want to do away with it. But when people are pursuing you, it's because they want to know what you're doing or what you've got. And guys, if people are pursuing you for the name of Jesus, that's a sweet thing. That's a thing that you want to know. And that's a thing that you want to see. So the persecution is continuing. But it's like here in the middle of all the persecution, we kind of get a little breath, a little rest, where God shows you that in the midst of all this persecution, I'm at work. I'm at work. Makes me think of this world today and all the craziness going on and all the people doing whatever and people going against God and people doing things against God. But you know what? Jesus has not stopped working. People are still saving. So God is still saving souls. People are still coming to know him as Savior. And you know what? He said, my word will never, it will never perish. It will never fade away. He's going to continue to preach that through all uh, the next However many years he tarries, and he's going to preach that on through the tribulation. He's going to preach that on through the, the thousand-year reign. He's just going to keep on keeping on telling people that he wants to save them and give them this mighty invitation. So even though it looks bad and bleak out there sometimes, I want to tell you Jesus will be victorious, and there is victory in Jesus. Amen? That's good to know this morning. That's good to know. Well, let's read about this great, this great episode here, Philip and the Ethiopian. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now, isn't that, isn't that something? This week, these, these two cities have been in the news just about every day. 
There's war going on in Israel. There's war in Gaza. And here we are, 2,000 years later, talking about the same places. Uh, and so God is still at work there. Now, what do you see there? Now an angel guided Philip. Now, something amazing about the angels. You say, well, why didn't, why didn't the angel just go down here and tell this man about Jesus? Why didn't God just use that angel? Why did he have to take Philip? And, and by the way, Philip was in a, a prosperous place. Philip was in a place where people were receiving Jesus by the thousands. We've been reading about that the last few weeks, remember? A thousand were added, two thousand added, three thousand added. And Philip was right in the middle of that. He was one of the first uh, deacons that we talked about a few weeks ago. We kind of call them deacons, but some of those first men that served, the widows and things. And he was, in a, he was in a fruitful place, to say the least. He was seeing salvation after salvation after salvation. And as a pastor, as you, as people that love the Lord and love to see people come to know the Lord, that's where we'd want to be. Uh, Brother Charles this week, as he was preaching one night, he said, you know what? I can just stay here at camp forever. He said, I can just stay here forever and just preach these kids about Jesus because it was a fruitful, it was a, a, a spirit-filled place. But here God is asking Philip to go from that and the angel asks him and, and guides him to leave that and go to the desert. Or, or as a symbolism here, to go to a very barren place. There wasn't a lot of people being saved out here, all right? There was just one man out there along with his entourage, and he's riding along, but he's going to go from seeing thousands saved to just concentrating on one person. And I think that shows us how important one soul is to Jesus Christ. One soul is very important. And so he's leaving that, that fruitful environment and going to the desert. He's going to a very barren place to share the gospel. The other thing is the angel could not do it. You know, the, the story of redemption, the story of grace is something the angels know nothing about. They, they have never, the Lord didn't die for the angels. He died for us. He didn't give the job of telling the good news of the gospel to the angels. You know who he gave it to? You got it, us. He gave it to us. What, can you imagine what, a, what an honor that is? That even the, the mightiest angels and the power that they have and the power he's created in them, he didn't give them that job because they, don't, they can't tell you about being saved. They can't tell you about being redeemed. They can't be redeemed. They're, they were created beings in heaven. We are the ones that can share the gospel that once I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. We get to share that. That's our honor. And so he asked Philip to go, and the, and the angel guided him to this very desert, barren place to witness to this young man. So he started out in verse uh, 27. On his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official, in charge of all the treasury of Candake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Now, here's a man in a very high place. Uh, he's from Ethiopia. Now, this, if you look at the translations and things, this is not the modern-day Ethiopia. This would be just south of Egypt, where we call the Sudan today. He was from that region just south of Egypt. And he was high up in the, in the order there, in the rank. He was treasurer of the queen of Ethiopia. More than likely, he wasn't by himself. 
because he's in a chariot and reading the Bible. So, you know, kind of like don't text and drive. He's got to be reading the Bible and somebody else is probably driving the chariot. And knowing how they traveled in those days, especially the, the higher ups in the rank, they would have some kind of entourage with them. I don't know how many people would have been with him, but there were others with him. But this prominent Ethiopian stands out. And he had thought so much, he, he must have been what they called a proselyte Jew. And a proselyte Jew was one that wasn't born a Jew. They weren't born Jewish. And he had come to, to receive, uh, believe in God. He, he knew of God. He knew of the temple. And he had spent 200 miles. He had just traveled 200 miles just so he could go to the temple and do this pilgrimage there so he could see what it was all about to pray to God and, and enjoy all this atmosphere that the temple would bring. Now, the amazing thing about a proselyte Jew is that you weren't allowed into the, the inner courts. They thought that was only for them. Can you imagine saying who can and can't come in these doors? Guys, listen to me. As your pastor, and I know the heart of this church, anybody is welcome inside these doors at this church. Anybody is welcome. Now, sometimes you may not feel welcome. Sometimes you may feel like, somebody's going to talk about you up there or whatever. But I'm telling you, as far as the Spirit of the Lord, as far as us being a part of the family of God, everyone is welcome in that door. Now, we're all human, and sometimes we say coarse things, sometimes we say rude things, and Lord have mercy on us all for saying that. But everyone is welcome in these doors. But there in the temple, not everyone was welcome. You had to be a Jewish person, born of a Jewish person, to come into the, the inner part. Now, there was the Holy of Holies that only the high priest went in, but the Jews got to come into the inner court. And so us, if we would have been back then that day not being a Jew, we would be outside standing by the door and, and straining an ear to listen to what was going on in there. He was, a, he was a believer at the gate, so to speak. But you know, isn't it beautiful that Jesus just opens the door to everybody? He said, you know, they've got their ways and they've got their Jewish ways and things, but he's about to open the door. He's about to give this man an invitation that will change his life. He said, you don't have to stand outside the door. I was thinking about Dan's song a while ago. So I stood outside the gates and trembled. Can you imagine, Dan, how this, this Ethiopian, this proselyte Jew, stood outside the gates and trembled and wanting to go in, wanting to be closer to God? And little did he realize he could be just as close to God right there and, and he could be just as close to God 200 miles away from the temple as he was where he was. But he stayed outside the gates and trembled as the song just sang and he just wanted to be a part so bad. You ever wanted to be a part of something really bad? You know, I know our teenagers, they go through a lot of ups and downs and, you know, they have the clicks and things and, and, and adults have clicks. We like to be, you know, in the popular crowd. We like to be where everybody's at. We like to be what's happening. I watched the kids at camp this week, and you could tell the leaders of the groups, and you could tell the, the shy third and fourth graders over here in the corner trying to figure it all out. But we like to be a part. And guys, that's what's beautiful about the love of Jesus Christ. Everyone, everyone can be a part. You don't have to, you don't have to be shy. You don't have to be worried. You don't have to wonder if he's going to love you or not. He's already proved that on the cross of Calvary. And he loves you with a God-sized love that I can't even explain. I can't even explain how much he loves you. And he loves you so dearly. And he loved this Ethiopian. He loved him. 
He couldn't go in and, and worship with the Jews, but, but Jesus was going to, God was going to open the door to something even greater than he could ever imagine. As he rides along here, riding back home after this great experience for him, but that was just the tip of the iceberg about what he was about to experience. So let's read a little bit more and see what happens. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading, Philip asked? Now, at this point, the Ethiopian could have said, it's none of your business. This is a private thing between me and God. And listen, listen to me, let me say this. Salvation is a thing between you and God. It, it's a personal thing. But I'm telling you this, when somebody tells you it's not your business if they're saved or not, you tell them, hey, I got to beg to differ with you. Jesus Christ has given me a commission. He's given me a command. He's told me to go into all the world and preach and teach the gospel. And you know what? You being lost is part of my business. It's not just my business because I'm the preacher. It's everyone in this room's business that knows Jesus as Savior. It's your business if your mom or dad are lost. It's your business if your wife or husband is lost. It's your business if your kids are lost and if they're backslidden. It's your business if your family doesn't know Jesus. It's your business if your co-workers doesn't know Jesus. He's made it our business, and he's asked us to do that. Now, people are going to tell you it's none of your business. That's between me and God, and it is on a certain point. But we are responsible to shed light and bring salt into a world that desperately needs it. Amen? Now, we need to remember that. And, we, you know, if somebody says it's not your business, our first thing is to say, well, I understand, and we'll back off. But according to what the Bible says in Matthew 28, he says, Go ye therefore into all the world and preach and teach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and teaching them to do whatever I have taught you, taught you to do so that they may know more about me. That's a paraphrase, but that's about what the jicks of it is. He's made it our business. And so Philip, because he's guided by the angel, he's been following along, listening to this Ethiopian read from Isaiah. He says, do you understand what you're reading? And he gets a really unique answer. Verse 31, how can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me? How is the world ever going to know about Jesus unless we tell them? They're in dark. They're in the dark. You know how lost people act? Like lost people. They don't know. He's asked us to turn on the light. Turn on the light of Jesus Christ and lighten it up. He said, I can't understand unless somebody teaches me. There's people around you in your sphere of influence that are lost, and they, they don't know how to find the answer. They, you say, well, Brother Todd, everybody knows about Jesus. Everybody knows that Jesus died on the cross for them. They've been hearing that all their life. Maybe not. You know there's a whole lot of people in Kaiser that's never been to church. Now, we think in a town of 750 people, everybody's heard about Jesus. We found that out a few weeks, a few years ago when we went door to door. There's all kind of beliefs in this town. We must, we must tell the good news of Jesus Christ. This is the passage. He said, how can I unless someone explains to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of Scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. This is from Isaiah. This is where he was reading. If you flipped over in Isaiah 53, you'd see these verses, 7 and 8. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and a lamb before its shears is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. 
You know what he's, he, he, it's amazing that the eunuch is reading about substitutionary sacrifice. Now that's a big old churchy word, substitutionary sacrifice. Spell that for me and turn it in afterwards, all right? Substitutionary sacrifice. What that is, real simple, is Jesus took our place on the cross. He was the sacrifice that took our place. Because of Adam and Eve, because of Adam and Eve's sin in the garden, we become sinners when we're born. We are sinners. We're just, it was, we was talking about this morning, we've been going through the Ten Commandments in our youth class, and we got to thou shalt not steal. Nobody had to teach us how to take a candy bar. We just wanted one, you know, we just wanted one. And so we look, we look at that, and we, he's talking about substitutionary sacrifice. All throughout the blood, it was about substitutionary sacrifice. All throughout the Bible, it was about substitutionary sacrifice. Go all the way back to Adam and Eve. What had to happen when they sinned? Remember, Jesus killed, uh, God killed the animals and clothed them with them. He shed the first blood. Those, those animals weren't guilty. Adam and Eve were guilty, but he shed the blood of that animal so he could make them clothes. They paid the price for their sins. Let's go a little bit further up. Abraham and Isaac. Remember Abraham and Isaac and God told him, take your son, your one and only son, and lay him on the altar and sacrifice him to me. And you remember at the last minute, Abraham drew the knife back to kill his son, and God said, that's enough. And he looked over, and what was in the bushes? A ram was over in the thicket. And they took that ram, and they killed that ram, and his blood was spilt for Isaac. It was spilt, and he laid that on the, the altar. That innocent ram, that ram had nothing to do with what was going on, but that ram paid the price for Isaac's sin so to speak. It took Isaac's place. All throughout Old Testament, you see them, remember what they had to do? They had to get together, they had to pick a lamb, and they had to bring that lamb for Passover, and that lamb would be cut open, and that blood would be sprinkled on the mercy seat. Here, a beautiful, innocent lamb. We think of a lamb as one of the most pretty, beautiful animals in the world, but God chose that to be sacrificed for me and you. That innocent lamb paid the price for the sins of the people. It covered their sins for a year. And all this, all this was just a picture, a forecast of what Jesus would do on the cross for us. The whole Jewish religious system is about bloodshed. It's about bloodshed over and over and over. And it just so happens this Ethiopian is reading those very verses about substitutionary sacrifice, about somebody paying the price for them. And so we see what's going on here. Guys, do you realize this is what salvation is about? You know, I, I think as I look at this and I think about this, I, I think a lot of people aren't saved. I think a lot of people are afraid to be saved because they don't think they can live up to it. Or they don't think they can be good enough. Or, or they, they don't want to give up some things. Do you know all that has nothing to do with salvation? That, that kind of comes afterwards. Do you know what salvation is about? Listen to me real close. You know what salvation is about? It's about believing with all that you have that Jesus paid your price on the cross. And you know, you think about that. You, you think about it a minute, it makes you itch your head and you go, scratch your head and you go, well, there's nothing I did in that. Exactly. Exactly. It's not about being good. It's not about turning your life around, and you will if you give it to Jesus. He'll help you do all that. But it's about believing with all that you have that Jesus Christ, his blood was shed for me. I was guilty. You were guilty. Mankind was guilty. 
And the only way that we could find salvation was through the shedding of a perfect lamb. That was the lamb of God. His name was Jesus. And he died in your place. He died in my place. And he paid the price. And when these kids this week believed that Jesus Christ was the one that died in their place, that took their place on the cross, that arose again and defeated death, that when they believe that and confess it with their mouth and believe it in their heart, the Bible says, thou shalt be saved. That's salvation. We make salvation so hard. We make it dependent on us. Listen to me, folks. If my salvation depends on Todd Benson, I'm in trouble. If your salvation depends on you, you're in trouble. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about him paying the price for you. It's about him reaching down with grace and bringing you out of the miry clay. It's about him holding on to you. Not you holding on to him, but he's holding on to you. And when we realize that, salvation makes so much more sense. It's not about keeping do's and don'ts. Now, I'll give you this. Once you're saved, he's going to want you to, you know, you're going to want to change your life. Because you were walking this way, and it was dark and, and dull and, and sinful, and you want to turn and you want to run right to the cross, and you want to embrace what Jesus Christ has done for you, and he's going to change your life. That's why we call it a life-changing experience. It changes your life. It changes your want-tos. But that's what he's talking about to this Ethiopian. That's what he's sharing with him. This is salvation. Not if you're a Jew or a proselyte Jew. Not if you go to temple. Not if you ride home 200 miles and can't get to the temple next week. It's about Jesus Christ saving your soul. And folks, it's still that way 2,000 years later. Isn't that great? It's all on Jesus. It's not on us. All we have to do is believe and accept it. Man, did he make the way of salvation just, he said, here it is. Just come and, come and enjoy. Come in. Here's your invitation. Come find your peace. Man, this is the invitation. Mm. And think about this real quick. Jesus Christ gave up his manhood to die for you. What did it say there in 33? In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. He, he gave up his human rights. Well, I, I've got my rights. You hear that all over the country today. I've got rights. I've got rights. You know what Jesus Christ, you know how much he loved you? He gave up every one of his rights. And he died an old terrible death on a cross with nails through his hands and, and totally, probably totally naked in front of everybody and they're spitting on him and they're shoving spears in his side and they're plucking out his beard. He, he, he lost all his human rights. He gave it up all so that you could have eternal life. That's a pretty big deal that someone would love you that much. I don't think I would have ever done that. I'm not going to let nobody humiliate me. And now we're, we think if we have to tell someone about Jesus, that, oh, that embarrass me. That'll embarrass me, Brother Todd, if I have to tell someone about Jesus. Shame on us. Shame on us all. For a man that gave up so much, we give up so little. Amen? We give up so little. Verse 34, the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about? Whew, he opened up the door, didn't he? Man, look for those golden moments, man. When people at work say, why do you live the way you do? Why do you smile all the time? Why are you so happy when you come in here on Monday morning when I can't stand to be here? 
because I got to go to church yesterday. I got to realize one more time how good Jesus is. I got to one more time, as Charles said this week, we got to turn up Jesus and turn down the world for just a little bit. And guys, that's what it's all about. <coughs> this old world gets so crazy, we just keep turning it up louder and louder and louder. And, and Jesus is going, I love you. I love you. I love you. Why? I love you. And we can't even hear him. And I love the thought of turning down the world and turning up Jesus. We need to do that more and more in our life. Every day we need to do that. When we realize that it's getting too loud out there, we need to listen to that still small voice and watch him change our life. Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. He just starts witnessing to him, man. He starts telling him. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here's water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? That's what the kids did to me this week, you know. I got a message from Casey, uh, Cassie first, and she said, hey, you think we could baptize this Sunday? And I said, don't ask me twice. I'm ready, you know. And these kids, they didn't want to wait. They, were, they knew Jesus. They wanted to be saved. They wanted to be baptized. They've been already saved, and they want to be baptized. So that's what we're saying here. Now, here's a, little, here's a little controversy, I guess you'd say. This next verse, if you got the NIV, it's at the bottom of your verse, of your Bible. Uh, this verse is in the, the King James, the New King James, but it's not in a lot of the Greek manuscripts. That's why it's kind of down at the bottom. But I put it in there because it's not against the Bible or anything. So let's read it. Verse 30, uh, 36, 37. Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. The eunuch answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. What was the question I asked every one of them this morning before they were baptized? Do you believe in Jesus with all your heart, soul, and mind? One more time, let me read 36 and 37 together. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look here, what, here is water. What can stand in the way from me being baptized? Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. The eunuch answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Right there shows you that it's about believing first. Baptism comes second. But it's an important thing. It's an act of obedience. It's something we want to do. We want to do. And he gave the orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. Looks like it was immersion to me. They went down in the water, okay? And said, then 39, when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Astus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Man, what a day. What a day. Philip's, Philip's just preaching and praising the Lord here in Jerusalem and taking care of things in Caesarea, and all of a sudden, whoop, angel takes him away. Brings him right up to a chariot riding down the road. Gives him a chance to listen to what the guy's reading about. Gives him a chance to witness to him about Jesus Christ. Right there on the spot, Philip tells him about the good news of Jesus. And the Ethiopian said, man, I believe, I believe. Can I be baptized right now? Yeah, stop the chariot. Come on down here. And immediately, the minute he left, it was a miracle. The angel took him away. It wasn't like he walked away. He was there and then he wasn't there. Now, I wonder what the Ethiopian thought about that. That would have been a little weird, you know? The other night when I led Evie to Christ, if I'd have been there and then I'd been gone, Evie would have went, where'd he go? You know, what, what happened? But that's what, but God had other things for him to do. And he didn't stay to disciple him, but there would be other people that would take his place to disciple him. Sometimes we lead people to Christ and others take the, 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 the role from there and lead them and disciple them through Christ. But very unusual thing there is Philip was there and then he wasn't there. But guys, we see 
God at work. And God has been at work in our church in the last several weeks. And it, it's, our bulletin was very appropriate this morning. Apollos watered and, and, and we till and plant and all those things. But God gives the increase. He gives the increase. And we've got to see that. And so what I want us now with our last picture here uh, is I want us to the, remember the call to share the good news. I want us to keep, keep sharing that. I want us to be Philip to the people around us. Listen to what they're saying, guys. Listen to what they're asking questions about. And they're going if to, if you listen real close and you pray, listen, God's going to open the door. Philip, Philip knew where to go because God had the, he had the way prepared. God's not going to send you anywhere that he's not prepared. You pray and say, Lord, send someone my way today. And then you listen. Someone's going to, it might be something like, Man, life is really hard. Is this all there is to life? Might be something like that. Gary, you've heard that before, hadn't you? Many of you have heard that, somebody say that. Red light, red light, red light. Let me tell you one that can change your life. Let me tell you about one that can can take away that discouragement. Let me tell you one that can help you through those things. His name is Jesus. And follow where God is leading you, just like Philip did. The angel guided Philip, but he could have said, nope, I'm not going to go. He still had his own free will, but he didn't. He followed what God said, and he was able to see a harvest that day in the life of the Ethiopian eunuch. What a beautiful story. Would you bow together with me? As you think about today, a couple of things I want you to think about. First of all, make sure that you know Jesus. As we said earlier, guys, quit, quit thinking about how can I be good enough to be saved? Or what about my past? Concentrate on Jesus for salvation. That substitutionary sacrifice, the one that took your place. That's what it's about. Believe in that. Confess that with your mouth and believe it in your heart. You will be saved. Maybe today you'd like to come to know Jesus as Savior. We'd love to tell you about him. We've already told you a lot about it. It'll be just you just confirming that and believing and the other part of this is, let's pray that God will help us to be more willing and more ready to share the good news of the gospel. It's real simple. Just tell him what he done for you. I was lost, and now I'm found. I had some mistakes in my life and some sin in my life, and God cleaned me up. He washed me white as snow. It's all about him. It's a gift. Just ask God to help you be ready, help you to be willing to, to share that good news because it, it's, the time's going fast. Man, weeks are flying by, years are flying by, and before we know it, we look up and our loved ones are gone. Guys, please be willing to share the good news. And Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you for this wonderful day. We thank you for seeing with our own eyes what salvation is about through baptism as we die to our old sins and we arise and awaken into a brand new life. We pray for Evie and we pray for Colton. We pray for Eli this morning. And Lord, I pray for anyone in this building today that doesn't know you as Savior. I pray that they would just turn their life over to you, Lord. I, I pray they would quit looking to their self to do this and just look to you because you have the power to do it. And I pray for the rest of us, Lord, that know you, that we'll be willing that we'll be ready to say and share the good news of the gospel. 
Lord, just like Philip, that we'll follow your guidance and that we will be ready when our time comes. Lord, thank you for the, the honor that we have to be able to tell the story of redemption. It's a story the angels can't tell, but we can. Lord, it's an honor that you've picked us and help us to go out in all boldness. Lord, just have this way, have your will in this way in this next moment. And we thank you for looking into our hearts and convicting us of different things. Lord, as you convict this morning, I pray everyone will, will ask for forgiveness of those sins. And Lord, they will leave here white as snow. In your name we pray. Amen.